Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. All right, we're going to go into our last session. We're going to talk about the disciples. Um, These guys are some of my favorites because I think it's so funny. And then I have to remind myself that I would be in just like it. But isn't it amazing that they lived with Jesus? Like you live with Jesus, but you've likely not ever seen him with your eyes. I haven't. Uh, They did. I mean, like they baked bread with him. They fished with him. They slept, you know, two cots over. They walked along the road. They saw him do miracles for three years. And when he was crucified after these three years, they ran and hid um, and all other crazy kinds of things. And so I want us to examine what, what made the difference. So let me get here. I'm going to Acts chapter 2 in just a minute. So here are some of the things that the disciples did. They all fell asleep when Jesus asked them to watch and pray. Now, you know, you can understand. I am one. I cannot make it through a movie if I'm at my house. I'm falling asleep. Right. So I could understand if Jesus is going in the garden for a long period of time and he's saying, please watch and pray. Okay, it's late. Maybe you fell asleep. But this is the night that he literally just revealed Judas. Like he says, Judas at dinner, <laughs> Judas is going to betray me and I'm about to die and go to the cross. And he just washed all their feet. So this wasn't just like Tuesday night. Okay, this was a big deal. They fall asleep, terrified to death on the boat in the storm. Now, I don't like storms either, but I'd like to think if Jesus was on the boat, maybe I'd be okay, particularly after I've seen him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and raise people from the dead and make water from wine. Surely he can hang with this storm, right? Or help us off the boat. I don't know, but, but they didn't. I probably wouldn't. They argued over who was going to be the greatest. Peter denied Christ three times. Have y'all, you know, the word says this, but it's in the movie, The Passion, but it does say this, that when Peter denied him for the third time, that Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine that? They have the discussion of, oh, you're going to betray me. No, I would never. Then he does it, and Jesus is being arrested and beaten. And then in that moment, the Bible says Jesus looked at him. Ooh. But I will tell you, I have felt like that. Um, scat, they all run away when the arrest happens. And then when he has just been killed and before he was raised, they literally lock themselves in a room. They are scared to death. So these three men, or these 12 men, three men, these 12 men lived all of this life for three years with Jesus, with Jesus, and they are locked in the room, scared to death that someone's going to come for them. Now they end up all dying a martyr's death except for John, 
who was exiled on the island of Patmos. And one of them, I think it was Thomas, was uh, skinned alive. At least a couple of them were crucified upside down. There were stonings. I mean, these were horrific dismemberment. All of them, except for John. So the three years that they lived with Jesus, seeing him do the miraculous, left them scared to death and locked in the room, waiting to see what was going to happen next. So what happened that caused those same men to be willing to face the kinds of death that I'm describing? And it was the Holy Spirit. So let's read in Acts 2. Acts 2. Okay, now this is a point that I have to make. We're going we're gonna to talk about Pentecost. Now, you know that Pentecost was Pentecost because it was established as a feast by God way back with Moses. I think we sometimes think that Pentecost is Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came. No, it was a feast that they had observed since the time of Moses And the Holy Spirit came on the Feast of Pentecost. Okay. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So what had happened is Jesus um, dies on the cross, buried. The disciples go hide themselves away because they're scared to death. Then they learn of the resurrection because the women go to the tomb and they see and they run and tell the disciples. And then Jesus appears to the disciples many times for 40 days. So after the resurrection, Jesus is on the earth for 40 days. So it is now 10 days before Pentecost when Jesus ascends. And right before he ascends, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a gift. The Holy Spirit's going to come. You need him. It's better for you if I go because he will lead you into all truth. He's going to be your counselor and your guide. Uh, Go to Jerusalem because you're going there to observe this feast and stay there until you get the gift. Okay, so that's where they are. They're in the upper room waiting on whatever this is that Jesus has promised. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They would have been in Jerusalem because they were coming to observe the feast too. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, 
amazed and perplexed. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said that they had too much wine. Something that's an interesting fact is that um, when Jesus lived a perfect life, died, was buried, resurrected, and then sent the Holy Spirit, he had fully equipped the disciples to go and be the church because he had saved them, he had restored them, he had provided the power that they need through the Holy Spirit, and now go. Um, Jesus fulfilled or began the new covenant. The old covenant was with Moses. An interesting fact is when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, which represented the Old Covenant, when he came down, what were they doing? Worshiping a calf. Again, you're like, surely I wouldn't have done that, but probably I would have. Um, So they come down, they're worshiping the calf. People died that day. Do you know how many people died that day? 3,000. That is in Exodus uh, 32, 28. 3,000 people died on the day that the old covenant was received. The new covenant is complete and received on the day of Pentecost when they receive the power to become the church and they go out. The Jewish people are in the city. Do you want to guess how many people got saved that day? 3,000. Because every detail matters to the God of order and not chaos. And he completely restored with the new covenant what was lost in the old covenant. So have you ever heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. And we, okay, how many of you grew up understanding about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I put my hand down. If you did, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you did not grow up understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Okay, all right. So that's another interesting thing to me. So I grew up in a denomination that did not um, say that there wasn't such a thing. They just didn't say anything about it. And I think it was because it was, they didn't know what to do with it. So if you just don't know what to do with it, you just don't say anything about it. However, if it's in there, I don't understand why it doesn't weird you out that Jesus said he was dead for three days and raised from the dead and then ascended poof into the sky after being on a mountain with Elijah and Moses. None of that's weird, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is so weird we cannot even begin to talk about that. You know, so I'm like... I don't know how we choose what's too weird because there's more weird. Like somebody breaks an ax off into the water and dude just calls it up, right? That's okay. We can talk about that. Just not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there is a thing. It's in here. So let's talk a little bit about that. Ephesians 1.13 says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit 
guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So one thing that I think used to trip me up before I really started asking the Lord about the baptism of the Holy Spirit was I felt like people that said they were baptized in the Holy Spirit were saying that I didn't have the Holy Spirit if I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Or if I didn't speak in tongues, because speaking in tongues is always connected to, however, I don't think it has to be always connected to. Um, But this scripture says when you got saved, you got the full Holy Spirit. He is inside you, and it says it's sealed, which means I'm saved, Holy Spirit in me, sealed, not coming out. I have always got Holy Spirit in me. But it's the same concept as I can drink water and it's in me and I can get in the shower and water comes on me. Right. And it accomplishes different things. Right. It's the same kind of concept. When I get saved, Holy Spirit is in me and he guides me. He speaks to me. He helps me understand things. He prompts me to do things. He helps me just like we were saying with Paul to see what the Lord is doing, hear what the Lord is doing and do that. Right. And that happens when I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit. But there's this story that we should all read. This is Acts chapter 19. And it's verses 1 through 7. Acts 19, 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, who we just talked about, Saul, who's now Paul, and he is, I mean, tearing it up. He did so much for evil after his conversion. This dude is tireless. If you've never read all the things that he experienced, I mean, he gets shipwrecked, beaten, flogged, starved. I mean, Left for dead, this dude goes through it and he is relentless at sharing what Jesus did for him once he received his spiritual sight. So this is Paul. Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Who are disciples? Jesus followers. So they know Jesus. Holy Spirit lives in them. Um, And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul said, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism, which is water baptism, um, was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, They were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So he is saying, you're believers, you know Jesus, yes. Were you water baptized? Yes. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We have never heard anything about that. Well, you need that because that gives you power, just like what came on the disciples. That is what made them change from these guys who believed and understood that Jesus could do incredible, miraculous things. And then they spent 40 days with him after he was raised from the dead, 
And then he said, go and wait for this gift. And so they do. And then they receive the Holy Spirit and realize Holy Spirit can do the same things through us that Jesus did because it is the same power that comes from God. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit that prompts you when you're standing in line at the grocery store and you think, I need to offer to pay for this lady's groceries and then tell her about Jesus. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that when your child has wounded themselves and you've called the ambulance that you lay hands on them and speak healing over them. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that convicted you to receive Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit is God Himself living in us. It is what makes us able to see what He's doing and do what He's doing and say what He's saying. Once we are saved, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And then there are many times when He pours Himself on us. And I want you to know, whether you have a prayer language or not, whether you speak in tongues or not, you do have, I guarantee you, you have experienced the Holy Spirit come on you. And sometimes it just feels like in worship. Have you ever just wept in worship? Or you think, I mean, literally, I do a lot of things at my house that I wouldn't do in public. But there's been times at my house where I'm in worship and I have prayed, God, I would love, love, love to see an angel. And I can tell you there was one time I was at home and I'm like, I really want to see an angel so bad. And I am having this awesome worship experience. And I know the Holy Spirit was like, open your eyes. And I'm like, no stinking way. <laughs> no, like, open your eyes. Mm-mm-mm. I still have not seen an angel to this day. Um, but that is, you've all had moments like that where you just get holy goosebumps or whatever it is. That is the Holy Spirit pouring Himself out on you. And it is to restore you. And it is to fill you with power and energy. When the Holy Spirit... Oh, wait. This is pretty good. I don't understand what takes place spiritually when a person is water baptized. But I know we're supposed to do it. And I don't think any of us can fully grasp what it means when you get into that water and that pastor baptizes you. Now, we know what it symbolizes, but the full depth of what happens spiritually, I don't think we understand. I also don't fully understand what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, except that it changes your state. And you go from this form of a solid that has been so dug in to this is the way we do it. And that melting point goes up and the heat goes up and all of a sudden you become liquid in the hand of a Savior. And the state of the essence of who you are has been altered because the calling of your life is to be poured out as a living sacrifice to Jesus. So the king... The woodcarver, our creator, has provided for us a complete work. 
He created us in His image. He breathed the breath of life into us. He called you before you were born. And the Word says that the callings of the Lord are irrevocable. That means He can't take them back. He spoke callings over you before you were born, and they are irrevocable. He isn't taking them back. He prepared good works for you to do, and He equips you to do them. He knew that we would sin and that we would fall. And so He provided the Lamb of His Son before time even began. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He restores us completely to our original and unchipped and undamaged state. His callings and purposes are irrevocable. He gives us His Spirit to care for us, instruct us, and empower us. And He has a plan for you. You are restored. Isaiah 61.7 says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. The Lord will restore you in your will. He will restore you in your heart and in your emotions. He will restore your sight. And He will fill you up and empower you and change your state so that you are liquid in His hands. Not for His benefit or others' benefit, but for yours because you will never be fully alive until you allow Him to bring out of you all of those plans and all of those callings that He has spoken over you individually and personally. I'm going to end. We're going to have two songs of worship, and I'm going to have you stand up after I read this. But I want to read you the book again. And as soon as I finish reading you the book, we are going to go back into worship. And I just want you to leave here just like Lucia. Anything that has been pinned on you that is like um, celebratory of you and promoting you and like a gold star. Let's get that off too. Because just like Paul, only name that is to be made great is his name but also those dots where people have criticized or words that have been spoken over you that are untrue or places of insecurity and brokenness that you feel like is just a dot that has been stuck on you. We want you to leave fully restored, no blemish, no stickers at all. So I'm going to read you the book one more time and then we're going to go into worship and I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us. The Wemix were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each Wemix was different. Some had big noses, others large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. 
Some wore hats and others wore coats, but all were made by the same carver, and they all lived in the village. All were made by the same carver. And all day, every day, the Wemix did the same thing. They gave each other stickers, and each Wemix had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, they always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemix got dots. The talented ones got stars too, and some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs, and everyone gave them stars. Some Wemix had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else or get another star. Others, though, could do little, and they got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell, and when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him more dots. And then, when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly, and the Wemix would give him more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and then people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and give him one just for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots. The wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemicks who had a lot of dots, and he felt better around them. One day he met a Wemick who was unlike any he'd ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden, and her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers, and it's not that people won't try to give you stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemix admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off too. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't answer. I mean, Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home, and he sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself. So he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill, and he stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here, he turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name, 
the little lemic asked. Of course I do, I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, I know. You don't have to defend yourself to me. I don't care what the other Weemicks think. You don't? Nope. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Weemicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My pain's peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello and put his hands on those small wooden shoulders and spoke very softly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day, I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she's decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. So for now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the wee walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. But we're just going to spend the last two songs in worship. Lord, we just ask that you would come and that you would speak to our hearts, God. That you would show us if we do have dots or stars, because Lord, we don't want to care about what other people say about us. We only want to hear from you. But God, we need you to restore us, to put us back into our original state, God, that you would repair the places that have been broken or damaged. Make us new, Lord. Thank you that you make us completely new. God, we want to be a liquid offering poured out to make your name great. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.